So Money Episode 628, Pervez Shalwani, host of Feed Me TV. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. From covering the police beat in New York City to reporting on the best wines across Long Island's vineyards, our guest today is a journalist who, like so many children of immigrants who don't go on to become doctors and lawyers, had a hard time convincing his parents that he was on the right track. And I can relate. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Sharabi, and our guest today is a friend, Pervez Shalwani. He's a food writer and dining critic at Newsday, which is a daily newspaper and media company that mainly services communities on Long Island. And also big news, Pervez has a new online show called Feed Me TV, which serves up a behind-the-scenes look at the Long Island food scene. I wanted to have Pervez on the show, not just because I'm excited for his new show, but he's really mastered the art of doing what you want and doing it well, even if it means changing course more than once in your career. He's brave. He's bold. We talk pivots. We talk hard to please parents, uh, getting paid to eat on camera, which he gets to do. Very lucky purveys. And of course, the vivid money experiences that have shaped his relationship with money today and have even allowed him to buy a home in New York. See, you don't have to be a lawyer. Here's Pervez Shalwani. Pervez Shalwani, welcome to So Money. Let's dive right in. Yeah. We were just talking and I hit record because I didn't want us to miss any of the good stuff. Oh, good, good. So we are live now and everyone, I'm talking to Pervez Shalwani. He and I have been friends for many years. Um, we have friends in common, but being both media nerds in New York City, our paths inevitably crossed. I have interviewed you about food uh, for Yahoo Finance. You've, um, I know. I was, trying to fi- I was trying to find that clip today. Oh, good luck with that. They've, I feel like everything's been archived or taken down. But um, you have very... Let's start with your story as a as a journalist, because I think um, very inspiring for people who have a lot of different interests, because I feel like, you know, while maybe your passion is food and culinary, um, the culinary arts, you did have a stint at the Wall Street Journal writing about uh, police reports and crime. So tell us kind of the brief story of of your of your journalistic arc. Uh, well, uh, if it were up to my parents, I never would have even gone into journalism. And then uh, following up on that, going to cooking school, I think, uh, you know, they nearly had a coronary about both. But convinced why? them because to let me. Because you're Asian? South Asian? Is that why? Because I'm a South Asian uh, man. And you're only allowed <laughs> to be a few things, a doctor. Exactly. And exactly. You know, uh, they, they were more into computers and business. And so they thought that's where I was going to go. And, and the only reason I was even allowed to go to journalism school was because I double majored in business, which... You know, I couldn't pass uh, or, uh, a math class or could barely pass a math class uh, once I got there and quickly dropped that. Otherwise, I was going to end up uh, plummeting my GPA. Um, so, yeah, I went to journalism school as a sports uh, – wanting to be a sports writer at first, then moved into being a news writer, spent about eight years as a news writer, always wanted to go to culinary school, um, and – Saw the opportunity, was like, you know, I need to do something else with my life at this point. 
uh, or I want to do something else with my life at this point, went to culinary school in New York City, worked, began working as a food writer, decided to go down that path, sort of supplemented that food writing for several years by doing what I knew from, with, from my past, which is breaking news reporting, actually for Newsday. Uh, that led to a full-time job as a law enforcement reporter for the Wall Street Journal, uh, and one of those things you don't pass up. And you know, when you have great sources uh, or have cultivated good sources in law enforcement, uh, you do that. And so I did that for a couple of years, and then this opportunity came. Newsday wanted me to be a restaurant critic, which there are a few restaurant critic jobs left in the country, especially good ones, and wanted me to also come and help them launch a TV show, which came to fruition earlier this month. Called Feed Me TV. So much fun. I love watching you on TV in your element. As someone, again, I mean, because I used to be a producer, I've done tons of TV. I really appreciate the show for not only the content and your personality, but also it's beautifully shot. I mean, food is pretty beautiful to begin with when it's, you know, you're going to like the finest vineyards and restaurants in, uh, in this case, Long Island. Um, but again, it's done in a very fun and youthful and spirited way. Are you having fun? It looks like you're having a ton of fun. If we weren't having fun, we wouldn't be doing it. Um, the whole point of the show is to have fun. You know, it's supposed to be this journey and, you know, the first season was great and the next season will only be better. Um, you know, this is so much trial and error and we learned so much from the first season. I can't even wait to, you know, to show what the second season is going to be like. So it's, it's, it's been fun. It's been a blast. You know, it's like how, you know, it can't be bad when you get paid to essentially eat on camera and talk to food, to talk to food personalities. And then, you know, as you may, as the wine episode, get to go drink wine on camera. So right. What's next? I mean, do you want this to be a stepping stone to then break out as you know, your own brand, you're under the Newsday kind of, uh, you know, brand. Oh, I, haven't, I haven't even started thinking about what's next. Uh, I've only been at Newsday for about seven months now. Um, and so we're just happy to have the first the first season of the show out. Uh, what's next is the second season. And then, you know, they're planning for a third season and then we'll go from there. But this is something that like is sort of new for Newsday and new for newspapers. I mean, you don't see newspapers doing with their websites and uh, multimedia doing TV shows. And so, you know, they do videos and they do documentaries, but TV shows are still sort of a new thing. And so it's exciting to be part of something that seems like it's on the forefront. It is smart. Hey, if they're looking for any personal finance people <laughs> to do money shows, let me know. I, 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 think... <laughs> I actually uh, used to work for AM New York. Oh, well, there you go. And uh, I did not ton, know that. Yeah. Like years and years ago, that was how I supplemented my $18 an hour job at Money Magazine. <laughs> and then later, my very small paying job at New York One, I wrote articles for AM New York. And those articles actually became the beginning of a of my book writing career. I turned those columns into a, my first book. And so um, I'm thinking ahead for you. I mean, maybe this could be like an opportunity for you to really get out there and be your own person, but we won't, we don't want to scare the Newsday bosses. Okay. <laughs> you're doing great. They love you. You're do, you're not going anywhere. Pervez, tell me a little bit more about your parents' reaction to your career evolution. I mean, I kind of think about myself and others from traditional cultures, like especially in the Middle East and in Asian countries, South Asian countries where parents place a huge emphasis on education. And there's only like a certain few career tracks that you can acceptably pursue. <laughs> sure. I mean, like, you know, they come over here and, you know, they, I mean, I'm first generation 
this is what they're told. This is, you know, what they see in their community as a sign of a success. It's, you know, you go into engineering or you become a doctor or you talk about, you know, going into computers or you go into or accounting or, or, you know, as they like to joke sometimes, they're like, go become an optometrist. It's a nice and eat or a pharmacist because those are jobs that are like it's nine a lazy to five. Doctor, it's, right. it's like exactly nine to five jobs where, you know, but you still make a lot of money. Um, still be a doctor. You still be a doctor. Right. I'm not quite sure when they realized that that's not the path I was on, but I'd like to believe it was pretty early on when in, when in, uh, in junior high and in high school, my interests were in home ec classes and in radio and TV classes and working at the school newspaper when they really wanted me to, you know, be focused on my math classes and my science classes and, and, you know, whatever business classes were out there, um, and computer classes were out there. I think by junior or senior year, they knew that I wanted to go to journalism school. I to the University of Missouri. It helped that myself and a friend of mine who also is South Asian were both into journalism and both of our parents, like, yeah, I think we, you know, sort of like were a comfort for each other to see their kids go down this path. So we ended up going to college together at Missouri. You know, I think for my parents, it finally settled in when I graduated college. I remember how happy my father was that I just had gotten a degree and I'd gotten a job. Like a newspaper had hired me. Um, I'd gotten internships. I'd worked in places like San Francisco at the Chronicle and in South Bend, Indiana at the South Bend Tribune. And you know, I was a sports writer while I was in college for the Kansas City Star. Uh, and I finally had gotten hired as a full-time staffer in Allentown, Pennsylvania, covering municipal government and courts. They didn't know what any of that meant, but they were just happy that I had a job and I was like leaving the house. I'm going to go move in my you know, own apartment and I remember my father crying as he was letting me go. My father's not one who cries. So, you know, Aww. as I packed up the car and drove off from Illinois to, to the East Coast. Did you go to Penn State? I did not. I went to University of Missouri. Okay. Uh, journalism school. And we, I just... We have and, a mutual friend from Penn State, so I don't know. Do. How, I'm trying to yeah, how Ariel, we do. right? Ariel, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just ended up in Pennsylvania because... I had a friend who was working at the Philadelphia Inquirer. I'd gone to visit him. I was, you know, in between an internship and a job. We went to a journalism job fair and I met the people in, in actually on Long Island at Newsday. Uh, it was a Newsday job fair and ended up getting, meeting the people at the morning call. And after a handful of job interviews on the East Coast, that was the one, that was the offer that sounded best to me and ended up moving to Philadelphia and working uh, in the suburbs of, uh, uh, of Allentown in Bucks County. Ah, okay. So that's how we, it's a very small world. Well, I want to highlight Feed Me TV a little bit more. It's the first season. Tell us how, your approach to this show, how it's, you know, what, what's your hope for every episode? Um, right now you're focused on interesting excursions throughout Long Island, food excursions. Um, is it strictly going to be Long Island or are you going to you know, expand? We- we, we, we did one episode in the city. We did a city field episode at, at the ballpark. We got, we got sort of an exclusive access to, they have dozens of kitchens at the ballpark that I had no idea. And each kitchen essentially makes a component of a dish. So like if you, you know, you, you go to the concession stand and you're like, uh, this chicken parm or whatever at one of the kitchens, st- uh, the chicken, st- or the, sorry, at the, uh, at the concession stands. And the chicken's probably been produced in a totally different kitchen than the sauce has been produced. And the bread's probably coming from a totally different place than the cheese is coming from. And it all gets brought up to the concession stand as the day goes on. And uh, that's where it all comes together. 
Um, and so we got a behind the scenes uh, look at that. And so we did do one city episode and there's plans to do another city episode in the second season. And I think we're all on the same page as far as doing one episode that sort of appeals to, to, you know, a Long Island audience uh, because that, you know, Newsday is a Long Island newspaper, but, you know, it has a, a, a larger appeal as well um, um, each season. So what are you learning about yourself as you're doing this? It's probably getting you to be more of yourself, but in, on TV, it's, you know, it's always different. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm learning that, you know, it, it, it's, it's funny. You're like, you have no problem being yourself when you're not in front of the camera, but when you're in front of the camera, like all of a sudden, you know, you, you're start like second guessing everything, you start second guessing, but you also realize actually that like you tape a lot and you use very little, uh, or you use a lot less than you tape, not very little necessarily. And, and so you realize that, you know what, it's okay. Not every single second of filming is going to be great. And those not great moments are just not going to get used. They're never going to get, they're never going to cut into a show. And so like that is good. Um, and then two, I think, uh, I need to learn to dress better on camera. Oh, really? Is that, is that, have, you, have you gotten any feedback? I didn't know. I, I haven't gotten any feedback. This is all personal feedback, uh, you know, that I'm giving myself. I'm like, yeah, oh, my you God. You become your, your worst critic. Enemy. I know. I know. I'm like, did you see that? I look like this. And like and my producer or my or the, 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 the editor is like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't notice that at all. But now that you mention it, uh, maybe I can see a little bit of that. So it's like, it's like the first season of any show. And then the next season, the stars have like whiter teeth and they're tan all of a sudden. And they've got like hair extensions. Uh, I don't predict that to be in your future, but um, no, I, 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 I just don't think that's my personality. I don't think you're all of a sudden <laughs> seeing me showing up to uh, showing up on TV wearing, you know, a suit and tie, or, or all of a sudden having, you know, my hair slicked back, or like, right. Uh, you know, um, like having my fingernails buffed or something like that. You know, the part of uh, yeah, the, the role of Pervase will now be played by Steve Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, Steve Harvey playing me in like you know some weird, some weird docudrama. You know, um, like but I love seeing. A, I, okay, I'm a, just gonna say it. I love seeing brown people in fu- in like in like entertainment world, like like fun, doing fun things, right? Like all these comedians. Um, uh, you know, TV shows—they're—they're they're killing it. You guys are killing it. Uh, well, thanks. Yeah, it's been—it's been—it's—I I hadn't even thought of it that way, but it—it it has been. You know, it has been a good few years for brown people uh, on 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 uh, TV and in in media, huh? Hasn't it? Um, it's it's just not like I mean it's improving and I'd like to see more multiculturalism on television and uh, for me though that I think the what's what really touches me is like knowing that because I think with a lot of like these um, again. F- people who are first generation and of those minority groups that I mentioned earlier, you know, to break out into like creative fields and fields that are not a sure thing. I know that can come with a lot of resistance from family. And so I feel so much more pride in watching people like you and others like do well, because I know that there were conversations that you probably had with family that were not fun, you know, and there was a lot of doubt. Even me, like going to convince my parents that I wanted to go to journalism school, they were like, good luck with that. And not, my parents are really supportive, but it wasn't until I got into Columbia where they were like, oh, maybe she's serious. Right. (laughs) 
You know, and it's just like, look, Columbia is a prestigious school. You know, you're like, you're going to, you know, one of the best schools in the country. And when you're going to the University of Missouri, you're like, I just got into the best, you know, what some people call the best journalism program in the country, if not the world. And, you know, so that should mean something and they should be proud of that. And they are, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's a journey getting them there. Like now, if you were to ask my mom, she'd be like, yeah, no problem. He's a journalist, you know, ask her what I do sometimes. And it's like, you know, she might not be able to explain it all the time, but you know, she's proud of me. So it's, yeah. you know, and, and my family gets a kick out of seeing, you know, videos of me on Facebook or videos of me on, uh, on, Newsday.com. Exactly. And, 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 you know, it, it, you know, to backtrack a little bit, I will say when I was going into journalism and as I was graduating, they're like, so you're going to be on TV. And I'm like, no, not everybody goes to journalism school goes on TV. Because <laughs> like TV is okay. If you're going to be on TV, that's cool. You know? Right, uh, right, right. We want to uh-huh. be, like, be able to brag to our friends about you. That's basically what it is. Yeah. Um, well, well, this show is also about money. Have you ever written about money or written about business as a journalist did you ever think of that as a as a niche uh i thought about it as a niche and obviously you know at the wall street journal business is sure. part of what you do and look i mean as food writing business is a part we what part of what you do you know you write reviews in which you know you're telling people about businesses uh whether you should you know, visit them or not visit them, you know, and, and you also understand as you're, as a reviewer that, you know, the livelihood of the business is at stake somewhat in what you say. And so you have to find, you know, you have to be sure, you know, and have a good sort of understanding of the restaurant world before you go down that path. Um, yeah, so it comes with some responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely comes with some responsibility. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, have I done a lot of, of 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 business writing? No. But does it show up in things that you do on a regular basis? Absolutely. You know, I mean, I cover the NYPD, you cover, you know, for the journal and you cover the NYPD somewhat as a business when you're at the Wall Street Journal. Uh as an institution, you know, that has an effect on on, you know, on community, people's lives and you know, policing has an effect on economy. Um in your personal life, how would you describe your money relationship or do you have a financial philosophy that is that you that you lead with? Oh, boy. Uh, and we got really deep there. So we, got, we, got, we got we got we got we got really deep here. I hope my wife's not listening. You know, she's like, that's not what we do at all. at home." <laughs> um, you know, uh, look, are we are we the best of savers? I don't know that we're the best of savers. Are we, you know, do we overspend? No. But, you know, uh, I think our financial philosophy is is to be responsible, I guess, you know, to be to be pragmatic, to be practical. Like, am I am I my parents? No, I'm not my parents. I'm not, you know, like everything is being saved so that we can send you to school or we're going to give you things like I, 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 you know, like, will that happen at some point down the line? I hope there'll be like a push in that direction a little bit with having a two-year-old or an almost two-year-old. Um, but uh, no, I don't think we're like, you know, at least me, I'm, I don't think I'm like my parents. and I don't think my cousins or my brothers are like my parents in that regard either. Uh, and we just, you know, we were raised differently and, you know, we live in a different, different culture and, and we respond to, to, you know, consumerism in a different way. So, um, so, 
I don't know if that answers your question or not. And, I've, and maybe I haven't given enough thought to, you know, what is my, uh, mm. and, you know, at 40 years old, maybe I should start giving some, uh, <laughs> some Well, you uh, brought up, you brought up your upbringing. I'm curious. We talk about this on the show a lot. People like to go down memory lane and from there, maybe try to understand why they do the things they do now with their money. When you were growing up, what's a big memory of money that you have? Oh, we were, I mean, I remember like my parents opening up our very first bank accounts with money we would get from either my grandmother or from our birthdays. And like, and like, you know, it was a thing to go to the bank to deposit that money. And like, you know, and I remember myself, my brothers, we'd go there and we'd fill out our, you know, our, our deposit slips and you'd go up to the counter and, you know, you deposit the money and you probably got a lollipop or something along those lines for doing it. And, you know, the bank's like, great, we get to use this money and game make interest off of it, you know, uh, uh, and, you, uh, and here's and, the vehicle that will guarantee you will die quicker. <laughs> here's more sugar to clog your artery. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, um, yeah, I remember those yeah, lollipops. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I remember that. I remember, you know, my mom, getting me my first credit card when I was 18 years old so I could start building my credit limit. Uh, yeah. So, you know, like, so you could have a good credit score and like, you know, you could start building credit, you know, so you could Do have, you have a good credit. I have pretty good credit. Yeah. Thanks. Mom. You know, I, yeah. I have pretty good credit. Uh, you know, I, I, I was able to house buy a house in Brooklyn. Thank God. Uh, so like, I was, so, you know, uh, we, we own a house in Bed-Stuy. So, uh, I, I don't think that would have happened without, uh, without some of that. So good for you. That's going to be worth millions. <laughs> if it, not already, uh, uh that's your retirement account. You heard it uh, here, Pervez. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to retire on my house and move to Florida. Uh, <laughs> I will truly be, you know, uh, uh, a New Yorker then I guess. Um, <laughs> well, no, I think that, um, you know, Brooklyn, it, well, we moved to Brooklyn six years ago. Um, we bought, but I, even if we had moved there seven years ago, we would have made so much more money. Um, if we, that is assuming we sell today, who knows what the future holds. Uh, but yeah, Brooklyn is, uh, there's some uncharted territory still. Uh, I mean, I moved here 11 years ago and from day one, I was talking about buying a place. It took me eight years to finally do it. Mm. Uh, and I remember being, and each time I moved from neighborhood to neighborhood, I'd be like, this is the neighborhood I want to live in. The last neighborhood it was in is the neighborhood I want to live in. And what I did took me long to realize is that the neighborhood you're living in now is the neighborhood you should be buying in because the neighborhood you came from, you're already priced out of. <laughs> right, uh, right. You know. True, true. But Bedford-Stuyvesant is, uh, you know, the crime, and as a criminal reporter, a previous sure. criminal reporter, what's the, what's your take on that as far as like, I mean, it's, and- it's dropped dramatically, you know, like, sure. Are there pockets of, of crime that still happen? Absolutely. But if you talk to people who lived in this neighborhood, they'd be like, uh, this is the best we've ever, we've seen it in decades. Um, so sure pockets of crime happen, but if you look at the statistics, you know, and the, and Bed-Stuy is the 79th of the 81st precincts of New York, the 79th precinct, I mean, it's you know, sort of the crown jewel, uh, one of the crown jewels of the NYPD to show that, you know, crime has dropped. Now, you know, some people would argue that, you know, are, is, is, is everything being recorded? You know, I don't know. I'm not going to get into a discussion about that. But, um, but. That's another and, podcast. That's another podcast, probably with, you know, with somebody uh, who is much more knowledgeable about these things than I am. Um, but no, I mean, it's, it's, look, Houses in my neighborhood now are selling for, you know, over a million dollars. Like, wow. you don't come to this neighborhood if you think that, like, there's a lot of crime going on and spend a million dollars on a home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
Um, so it's changed dramatically. Wow. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I, I love real estate. Did you guys talk about real estate when you grew up? We're, oh, we're yeah, growing up. Yeah. I just had a call, a conversation with another Iranian um, right. guest, and she also said real estate was like the hottest topic at the dinner table. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's just like you're always talking about houses and apartments and, you know, and things like that. And, and, you know, if you weren't investing in real estate, you were talking about investing in real estate, you know? So it's just like we weren't investing in it, uh, you know? But, uh, but, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a hot topic at the, uh, at the, at the dinner tables. So, well, uh, certainly having oh, eight years to, uh, in the run up to buying your first, well, I don't know if it's your first, but buying a home in sure. Brooklyn, what lessons did you learn along the way? What was the uh, sort of secret to, to keeping it together, making sure that you could actually fulfill this goal? It's a big, it's a big accomplishment. I think finally wrap, I mean, for me, it was, you know, like, finally wrapping my head around like, you know, being ahead of the curve or at least with the curve, um, you know, and it took a while to realize like how sort of the city moves and how the market moves. Uh, so I think, you know, that, I think that's probably, you know, you think that you, the, you get excited about wanting to live in a specific neighborhood and that's where you put your passion towards and you need to like, sure you do that, but also, you know, have, a, like a larger plan to look at, you know, other neighborhoods beyond yours to, you know, because that's probably where things are going next. Uh, and you'll get probably more bang for your buck. Yeah, for uh, sure. And you'll probably be able to afford something. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, a cutthroat world out there. I mean, you know, it's, it's not quite San Francisco where, you know, thousands of people will show up and like ready to, but, <laughs> but it's, it's, you know, you can get into a bidding war pretty easily in this city and uh, don't even bother if you haven't been at least pre-approved or had a conversation with a broker or a bank about uh, about a home uh, and haven't done your math on you know exactly what is the top you can afford uh, before you start searching uh, and start uh, and start making bids on 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 homes. It is not for the faint of heart for sure <laughs> no. Well, happy for you guys now. And you're a dad. Congratulations. I am a dad. I am a how dad. Has, how has that changed anything in terms of your perspective on life, other than you're just scared all the time? Because I feel like I'm always worried as a parent. Like, oh, there's certain things that I just think about that my mind just never went to before I became a parent. You're worried all the time. You you take much more pleasure in the things that you get to do outside of the house uh, without the child. Um, you are f amazed every day at the, how quickly they grow and the things they learn and the things they say. I'm just like, you know, at like 22 months, I'm just amazed at the things she says and like that come out of her mouth and that she picks up on like, you know, and I'm like, is it supposed to happen this young? And then you're like, yeah, of course it's supposed to happen this young because everybody else's kid is doing it too. Uh, and your kid is not that special, even though you think your kid is that special, but, um, but it's fascinating, you know, it's absolutely fascinating watching, watching them grow up and, and, you know, like, yeah. And all of us like, just this morning, you know, just like walking where they're outside and you're just like constantly like freaking out and, you know, about her running into the street and like, right. you know, making sure she holds your hand and she doesn't want to hold your hand. You're like, well, 
this is not this is not a democracy non-negotiable exactly you know this is i'm in charge you know my list of non-negotiables has gotten quite long since i'm sure yeah i'm sure as as she gets older it keeps getting it keeps getting longer so (laughs) right dating uh, non-negotiable non-negotiable right 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 right. (laughs) uh thankfully we're not there yet uh that's a a whole other ball game uh my daughter's five months i'm not there there either oh okay well yours is younger than mine uh so um yeah you got a long ways to go Um, but, uh, she's going to start crawling soon and then things are going to change, um, really fast. I have a three-year-old son, so I have a little bit of a forecasting already, but, but girls are a whole different beast. I mean, that's what we have. I feel like she's going to start talking and doing everything a lot sooner than her brother, mainly because he's going to drag her along and she's going to have to, you know, fend for herself. It becomes like somewhat competitive, I imagine, you know? Um, yeah, we talk on the show also, I take it, I bring it out of my guess. I, so you gotta, you gotta also do this for me. Tell me about a money mistake that you made, a financial failure or some kind of oh, setback. Boy. It doesn't have to be like, I mean, maybe if you want to divulge and talk about going bankrupt or something, but I have a feeling that's Look, not I mean, like in New York, it's easy to fall into debt and rely on your credit cards a lot. And, you know, like, look, there was a period in New York where I was like carrying a lot of debt on my credit cards that I, that scared the crap out of me, you know? And, uh, I was very fortunate to sort of buckle down and, you know, pick up some extra work and, and pay them down and pay them off. And like, it sort of happened, you know, in about a three or four year span, but like it took that realization, you know, it was right around post, post, uh, um, economic, you know, crash, Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, you're like, Oh my God, I can't keep doing this. Otherwise, like I'm going to be ruined for life, uh, or ruined for a very, very long time. So yes, that was, that, those are some money mistakes because it's easy to go out every night in New York city Mm -hmm. and be out till three, four o'clock in the morning if you want to be, um, and, you know, not think about it, especially when, you know, you have credit cards that have high credit limits, you know, but like they come back to bite you sooner or later. Um, and, I'm glad I didn't get to the point where, you know, it was financial disaster, but, and that's probably maybe some of my own, uh, either fear or upbringing that allowed me to, you know, to make that realization and, and, and change course. Um, but so there, there, there's a financial mistake. If my mom, my mom is going to listen to this, she'd be like, you did what? Yeah. Uh, You had what? Well, how did you, how did you start to, um, erase that debt? What was the first thing that you, I mean, fear is, I say fear is great when you actually can go and live in it for a little bit and actually see the dark side, that can be a great catalyst. One was, one was having, you know, a bunch of great gigs that paid a little bit better. So that was, that was, you know, like after, you know, slumming it as a, as a, as a freelance journalist and finally, you know, sort of getting, finding jobs where they realized you had experience enough to do them. So that helped. Uh, but two was just like, you know, your focus is all on, okay, I'm going to make this much in two weeks. I'm going to use this much. And I, you, you just get on this plan, just like slashing away at this credit and, you know, essentially also getting a hold of it all in one place. I don't want to be like plugging any one thing, but I will say mint helped. Uh, you know, putting it all in one place and be like, oh my God, this is really how much debt I have between all my credit cards. Uh, you know, um, seeing so. it and believing it, right. In one place. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can't hide it that, that way. I know. Now, and now, and now, and now we've come, you know, seven years later, eight years later, and here I am like, you know, hosting a, a, a TV show again. So, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been, it's been quite a ride. 
Hmm. What is a, um, a habit that you have? So you talked about mint. Do you still, so from that exercise, from that period of time when you kind of got rid of the debt, what's stuck? What sort of good habits do you maintain when it comes to money? Uh, I think I have a general sense at the beginning of the month how much money I'm going to be bringing in and knowing what we can spend so that like we don't incur more debt. Uh, and then also when you know you're going to incur more debt or you're going to need to take on some debt for a short period of time, knowing that, you know, how to not have to pay the most interest on it or, you know, in a way, you know, or to come up with a plan, you know, and a, and, and a timeline for paying it off. Yes. Yes. All right. Let's do some so money fill in the blanks, Pervez. Okay. This is when I start a sentence and then you finish it. Uh-oh. And then I want you to tell me what what kind of wine I should be drinking heading into the fall. Oh boy! I don't know. Just give me some money. Or where you should be cooking at home, or where you should be eating. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing is, um, if I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say that you and your wife won a hundred million bucks, the first thing we would do is. I hate saying this. We'd probably buy a second home. Yeah. In, on Long Island or somewhere? I don't know. Or somewhere upstate. You know, she, she, she wants to own a farm that will help, you know, her business. She owns a jam and mustard making company. So, you know, uh, and so I think, you know. O-Jam? Uh, jam and mustard. Yeah. It's, it's, called, anarchy, it's, called, it's called O-Jam? No, it's called Anarchy in a Jar. Oh, Anarchy uh, in a Jar. Um, and so I think, I think, I think, you know, we'd like to have, we'd like to have a second home. Uh, um, I think that would be step number one. I like that. I think I'd probably buy more real estate. <laughs> buy more real estate. It's like you know, it's like make your money work for you. Uh, now I really sound like I'm South Asian. Yeah, uh, you can <laughs> live in it. You know, all else fails. You have a roof over your head, right? Uh, one thing I splurge on. What's your What's your unregrettable? I mean, like, look, compared to uh, we, my mother, would be like is horrified at how much money we spend on food, and like you know. Uh, and where we go, I remember getting it and she'll now slop at Whole Foods, but she thought Whole Foods was like, ridiculous that we shop at, you know, we, we would paycheck, even walk into a, yeah. uh, not whole paycheck, but like we would walk into a place like that. Uh, so like, you know, look, we like to go to really nice restaurants and look, we like to splurge on things like a good steak every once in a while that I can cook at home. Mm. Um, so how nice that your wife is also in a, in the food biz. It's great. It's great. You know, it's like, and then, you know, all of our friends also are, uh, or a lot of our friends also are. And so it's just like these, like, like food explosions of parties. We had a hot dog cook off a month ago to, to, to I am free on the weekends. I'm just putting we, it out there. I I'll, put, I'll put you on the invite list. Okay. You're, you're, you don't live far. I'll bring the uh, dessert. And, and bring the desserts to bring the kids. There's other three and two and, oh, and five month olds. So, yeah. All right. And then I can scope out the neighborhood. Maybe that'll be my next frontier. There you go. Yeah. When you win your $100 million, you'll buy a house in Bedside. <laughs> that'll be your, that'll be, that'll be your vacation. Who knew you were going to need that much money one day. <laughs> oh my gosh. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is. Oh, boy. Um, that's a tough one. One thing I'd wish I learned about money growing up, I mean, I would jokingly say that it doesn't grow on trees, but uh, that was never, never my, uh, my upbringing. Um, one thing I'd learned about money growing up, I think you've stumped me on that one. Um, 
learning how to, you know, I would say learning more about how to invest it better. Uh, like I feel like, you know, we don't talk enough about, uh, about things like stocks and bonds and, and that sort of stuff in high school, or maybe they do now and they just didn't when I was, when I was 16 and 17. Um, so just sort of having a better foundation for that kind of stuff would be great. You know, cause I still feel like, you know, I'm not sure I 100% understand the best way to invest in my 401k, you know, uh, or feel comfortable in it. Um, so I think those kinds of things would be nice. Sure. I do think that I was just interviewing a behavioral scientist, like a financial, I guess, behavioral economist is the official title, but he's a professor at Harvard, David Labson. And he was saying that basically, um, you know, financial literacy falls flat simply because, when you just educate someone on something with particularly with money, it doesn't stick. Um, you have to kind of, uh, do two things at once. You have to educate, but also do some sort of action so that it really resonates and that people, kids especially like will, won't forget. So I, I feel like while in, in, you know, in theory, it'd be great for kids to learn about compound interest and investing. Um, and certainly they can, but just sort of like talking about it and introducing it to them may not be the solution. Sure. I, no, I mean, I think they need to find ways to practice it, you know, or to like to see it game or yeah, go to right, the stock exactly. market or something like that. Yeah. I have a Look, friend. I say the same thing. I see the same thing about, you know, I don't think it'd be nice if like, you know, you, we talk about you know, government and history, but like you don't actually see it, how it works on a day-to-day level, you know, and it's right there in your backyard when you're in high school or in grade school. I mean, you know, there are town council or city council or village council, wherever you live meetings, you know, like get them involved in, 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 in understanding how that stuff works. I mean, you know, I think people, you know, that's another sort of failure as far as literacy goes. Uh, you know, I was like, I'm amazing how much I learned as a as a municipal reporter and a city government reporter about how just things work right uh and how much it, it sort of informs you on then any other beat that you do whether it's the police department or whether it's food i mean you know opening and closing of restaurants and like and you know and how policies sort of help either cities boom or bust uh when it comes to those things so Okay, your show is called Feed Me. Tell us where we can catch it, and then I want to know what should I be cooking at home. So it's 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 the show is called Feed Me. It's uh, by Newsday. You can catch it on a bunch of places. You can catch it on the website at newsday.com slash feedmetv. Uh, they it is also available on uh, by downloading the Newsday apps on Roku and on Apple TV, um, and will be coming to other um, media player devices as well in the future. And then should I be, it's, it's, well, this is airing in late August, um, almost September. We're going to be changing season soon. So what, what do you, what are your favorite dishes as the weather gets a little nippy? Uh, so if we're talking about end of August, beginning of September, uh, you're going to have sort of enjoy the last of what's left in the summertime um, and make Peach a cobbler. Ratatouille. Now, rat, ratatouille. Do a ratatouille. You're going to have all these tomatoes left. You know, you're going to slow cook them. Look at Francis Lamb's tomato. Francis is going to love this. Look at Francis Lamb's ratatouille recipe. He calls it weapons grade ratatouille. It takes a long time, uh, but it's a lot It's a lot of hands off time. Uh, and it is phenomenal. It Well, we love that movie in our house. 
My daughter's name is Colette. Right. Um, which is the female character. She wasn't named after her, but it, sure. uh, but we love that movie. My son loves watching it. I'm hoping it's because he wants to be a chef. Right. Uh, though you're probably dreading that yourself. You're like, what do you want to do? <laughs> do you want to be a doctor? Uh, right. Exactly. Exactly. And then I, since, since we're talking about uh, fall, uh, I'm a big fan of getting that oven going. You're going to start seeing your cabbages and your, your, your hardier greens, whether they're kale or, uh, or collard greens, or you're going to start seeing some cauliflower or broccoli. Get that oven up to 425 degrees. Drizzle those things with olive oil. Uh, hit them with some salt and pepper. Throw them in there and just let them, let them cook. I mean, we do this. We started I, – I, I like to say that I think cabbage is the next kale. Uh, oh, don't say but, that. Oh, I can't. Oh, come on. I don't think – it's so <laughs> stinky. Oh, it tastes so great. If you do it my way, it's not going to be stinky. Okay. So you're going to take this cabbage. You're going to cut it in half. You're going to cut out the core from the bottom. And then you're just going to cut it into three parts. Okay? okay. That half a cabbage, you're going to cut into three parts. Or all six of them, you're going to cut them into six parts. Mm -hmm. You're going to put it on a baking sheet uh, with a little parchment paper at the bottom. You want to leave some room. You want to hit it with a lot of olive oil. You want to hit it with salt and pepper and just like coat it. And then you want to throw in the oven at 425 degrees. And every 15 or 20 minutes, you want to move them around so that the pieces that are not getting brown start getting brown. Mm -hmm. And what you'll have at the end is you'll have this really sweet caramelized cabbage that has almost like this potato chip like texture to it mm, so forget it kale chips it's cabbage chips it's cabbage chips cabbage doritos uh, it sounds like and, and, they're, and they're phenomenal you know they go great with steak they go great with chicken they go great with fish Pretty much anything drizzled uh, in olive oil at 425 degrees is olive oil salt and pepper that's honestly all you need and then at the end maybe hit it with a little bit of acid hit it uh, a little hit it with a little bit of acid a little bit of uh if you want some champagne vinegar which is not expensive i know champagne vinegar all makes you think that all of a sudden it's like you know some like really expensive thing it is not uh, or hit it with some lemon juice, uh, or just some white distilled vinegar, apple cider vinegar. It's fine. All right. You know, and we'll they, be over. And, we'll be over. The whole family. Yeah. <laughs> the Taravis, here they are. All four here of them. Here we come. Here we come. <laughs> it's like, it's like those, it's like those commercials from, uh, for the Encore Entree, the guy from, uh, <laughs> That was the Encore Entree guy, the guy from uh, Happy Days who would be like all of a sudden in the freezer aisle being like, you know, this dinner's too big for us. I'll be over at your house at 530 on Saturday. You know, it's just like. <laughs> Aww. That'd be nice. Well, um, you've been warned. OK, uh, thank you so much, Pervez, for coming on and being so fun. And congrats on your show. And thank you um, for having us. You've uh, you've you've encouraged me to go out there and buy some cabbage for the season's over. Yeah, there you go. Cabbage, cab cabbage, cabbage is going to be your new friend. Cabbage is the new kale. Thank you so much. Thanks so much to Pervez for stopping by. His show again is called Feed Me TV. You can watch it at newsday.com slash feed me TV. You can also follow Pervez on Twitter at, I love his handle, at Pervezistan. If you missed any of this, just hop over to somoneypodcast.com and you can download the transcript download the audio. You can also send me a question for our Friday episodes. And by the way, I'm still on the hunt for co-hosts. Many, many of you have written in and we've scheduled you to come on the show to join me in sifting through our Ask Farnoosh questions every Friday. Would love to connect with you if we haven't already. So click on Ask Farnoosh, send me a question or let me know that you want to join the hot seat with me. 
Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is so money. Money.